powered up. We have had to conform to a certain social game. And so we are in a constant state of competition. In terms of that competition, we can, of course, lose place. And in that sense, make mistakes. This is the secret. You can't make a mistake. Welcome, everybody, to Friends of Failure. I'm your host, Sam, and this is my co-host, Megan. hey You already know what it is. It's, it's myself and Megan today. Uh, we're going to have a fun little uh, recording sesh together. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, it, it, life is good. I think, uh, I think there's a lot of ups and downs, which I think kind of gives meaning to life. I, I think if it was just like a, a boring constant of just content and happiness it just wouldn't quite be the same so here's to being grateful for the ups and downs um (laughs) beautiful way to put it (laughs) yeah and that's our episode everybody have a great day right nah dude uh i i've been enjoying my weekend i've had some really good workouts which is definitely a necessity for the old sam samaruski uh kind of your thing he 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 needs those uh endorphins (laughs) um (laughs) And I'm just going to talk about myself in third person for the rest of the, for the rest Please. of the podcast. Um, no. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I think that's been a, a pretty, pretty good highlight for me is, is being able to kind of have a couple of legitimate focused in kind of workouts. Uh, so I've been riding high on that. And I think made some progress on little chores and tasks that I've been working on. So how, how are you doing? You, uh, I am uh, just killing it slay slay queen pride month over here yeah that's good. that's your whole weekend you're like that's all i've been doing pride which means i just sit at home and watch drag race and that's about it <laughs> for some reason i pictured you like running on the freeway with like a a pride flag like you're just full force next weekend yeah you got it mixed up <laughs> yeah i uh, I, uh, to be honest, like I, I'm so small that if I had any large flag and I was running, if, if the wind picked up, I feel like, yeah, somehow, <laughs> somehow it would turn into a cape and then it would like just lift me up into the air. That would look glorious though. Like just gay ascension. Into- <laughs> uh, I'm I, everybody's celebrating, but I'm literally screaming for help as I'm being blown <laughs> off into the horizon they're like oh my gosh it's so beautiful and I'm like no this is bad like, how did he plan that yeah think of all the think of all the work that went into that um it's a happy little accident <laughs> well I you know I I think it's it's good to allow yourself to take time off which is something that I've, I've had to work on recently yeah, you know, I feel that one. I, <laughs> just being the, okay with not doing anything. Yeah, I, I mean, there's something to be said about allowing yourself or, or being mindful enough to go, hey, maybe I should pump the brakes. Now, I pulled the e-brake. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I pulled the e-brake, and then I had some troubles getting the car to start again. But, you know, we're, we're moving again. We're moving. We're trucking along. It's just like um, lurching forward and backward. <laughs> I can't tell if the car needs oil or if it needs gas. <laughs> Um, I think I've been stuck in third gear and it's an automatic, so I don't understand. It's fine. Um, you know, we kind of talked about a couple of things that we, that we could speak on. Right. And neither one of us know how far this might go, but I, I think one thing that everyone at some point in time in their life has to deal with is, is grieving, right. And the process of, of coping through the grief. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of stuck to that topic whenever, you know, we were brainstorming because I, I had been thinking about, you know, my buddy who, it was just one of those things, you know, one day it was just, his time was up, right. Yeah. There, there was no rhyme or reason. He literally went to sleep and, and then he moved on. And I was thinking about how it hasn't even been two years since that happened, but like how quickly I came to terms with it and how differently I came to terms with it. And I was thinking about, I guess the rabbit hole of 
grieving doesn't always have to be extreme loss of like, Hey, you wake up one day and your friend's gone. Yeah. Especially, especially when it's like hard to wrap your head around the fact that it, there, there was no rhyme or reason. It just, it was time. And I think, I think it's interesting because I do think there's similarities, but you know, the same thing of like friendships, you know, like growing apart, you, you do have to grieve that or, or sometimes, you know, the relationships that you have in your family change and, and, you know, you kind of have to, for your own sake, separate yourself or, you know, even of course, like lovers, right? Like you, you get in relationships and, and have that. And I was thinking about how it's all, it's all kind of relative because, you know, the way that I used to have to deal with grieving when I was a kid and someone would pass away is I just knew people were gone and everyone was crying around me and it was just sad. And then of course, like you start to get older and, you know, I understand there are people that, you know, they live all the way into their like forties and fifties before they ever yeah, like lose, lose somebody in terms of death. But usually people have relationships that fall apart or, or have to end for whatever reason before then. Yeah. And, and so I was thinking about how, well, I'm just going to use his name. I, I was thinking about how, you know, my, my buddy Kyle, you know, he passed away and it was such like a blindsided situation that it, you know, it, it felt traumatic because I mean, it felt like a freight train and it was so intense and so out of the norm from other deaths that I had to deal with that, um, it changed how I felt about the way I grieved for for other people that I've lost. Right. Because, you know, you lose people to tragedy of cancer and and that's going to make you feel a certain way. You know, unfortunately people take their lives and uh, I've seen that a few times and there's this whole spectrum of emotion that can be felt so differently. Right. Like, like if we just want to talk about being sad, you know, you can be sad and then it turns into depression and that's a whole different concept of, of sadness, right? Like now, now it's like a, it's an issue. And, and so I was thinking about how that applies with relationships, like friendships where you end up losing a friend that you never imagined you would lose and how it changes how you felt about all the friends you lost before. And I think it's really weird because, and maybe you would agree, maybe you wouldn't, but it's all pretty similar, right? Where depending on where you are in your life and what you're doing, it's going to affect you differently. Yeah. You know? it, and it's, it's weird. Cause there's, there's always people in your life that you're like, ride or die. You're not going anywhere. Like, and that's for a death or just moving past that friendship mm-hmm. relationship, whatever it is. And then you get to another point in your life and you're like, Oh shit, they are gone like whatever way it is and it's kind of a different layer of sadness when it has to be chosen um or like if you're making the call of I can't be in a healthy relationship friendship with this person it's a weird grieving that comes with like guilt and shame and then if they're the ones initiating it that's a whole nother layer (laughs) of like what did I do or like accepting if you're wrong or whatever it is and then there's just the mutual, you both drift away and you used to be best friends, talk every day, and then they're just gone, living their life in another part of the country. And it's weird because they're still there, like they're still out there, but they're not a part of your life anymore. So you have to grieve, but also not grieve <laughs> at the same time. You, you have to bare minimum process it, like comprehend yeah. it, right? So you know, there was a, a, a guy back in school. We were really, really close. We were, we were BFF, I think. And when we got to high school, we started to kind of change. Like, you, you know, I wasn't thinking about college and he very much thought about college. And that's not why we weren't friends, but it was very obvious that we were thinking about our futures very differently at that yeah. time in our lives. And it, it was really weird. And there was kind of a struggle because we both could feel that we were growing apart. There wasn't necessarily hard feelings, but it it was strange. And back then, you know, I was super duper naive and young and, you know, I didn't understand. I didn't even really try to process that kind of stuff. I think I just like onto the next like distraction. 
Well, I think most and, of us don't at that age. Yeah. And then eventually it kind of catches up to you. Maybe like you kind of look back and you're like, Oh, didn't go through that. Uh, oh, it still hurts. Right. <laughs> but, but like that individual, like I've talked to him now, you know, we've, we've gone through totally different paths of life and, yeah. you know, we've, we've been able to talk to each other and it's, you could, you would be able to tell that we've known each other since we were kids. Cause there, there's obviously that connection. And we're able to talk to each other like, you know, we're at the lunch table. Uh, and, it, and I think it's, it's, pretty, it's, it's pretty incredible because, you, you know, I'm able to look back and, and reprocess how I felt then versus how I feel about it now, where it, it kind of naturally needed to happen and it, and it benefited yeah. both of us. And yet we were still able to mature enough that, you know, there weren't hard feelings. It just kind of happened. Um, whereas there, there's other times, I think, I've had people in my life where they're like, I, I don't want to, like, I'm good. Like it's a, and, yeah. If you make a choice that you don't want to deal with it anymore, but. Well, I was going to say, they didn't want to deal with me anymore. And I was <laughs> like, like, I, I was like, well, Hey, I'm still good. And they're like, yeah, well, you know, and I, you know, I would take it personally of like, you know, what did I do? Right. Like what, what's your problem? And, and it probably had nothing to do with me and more of like, Hey, I don't want to associate with whatever we used to associate with. Right. Like I I'm trying to re-identify myself or, or whatever. And, and so how, how strange that is to me when you lose friendship, I, I think sometimes, nah, I, I would say this applies to all of them, right. Whether it's, it's a death, it's a breakup, it's a, you know, growing apart there's levels to trying to understand it. Right. So where, where I was like, cause you, you had asked the question of like, okay, well, you know, there is no protocol for like how you're supposed to grieve. And I was like, but yeah. I, I would say it is a, it's a, it's a process of failure every time. Just being okay with like, I know I'm gonna not do this perfectly. Like it's okay well, if I fuck it up. Yeah. Cause I, I, I picture like grieving and coping as a series of uh, I'll use Kyle again right it's an extreme version but like one day it was just boom he's gone that no one saw it coming right I mean it knocked me down and I had been knocked down before by death right so that wasn't super crazy but I mean it changed the way I thought I mean that day moving forward I did not think about certain things the same way anymore and I never will and so I would try to get back up and inevitably I'd fall back down because it was like, I, I, it's a struggle of like regaining like a new composure. Yeah. Right. Because even though I've processed it and, and I've come to terms with it and I miss them, I also took a different approach of instead of just being like, Oh, he's gone. It's what parts remain. Right. And yet it still took me quite a while. I mean, solid six months of, reminding myself of like hey this is coming in waves dude like you you can't beat yourself up over this but in terms of failure being like falling down and getting back up I, I feel like in in any regard no matter how extreme or non-extreme it is that's what happens right yeah like you're, you're grieving well and a new thing that I've been trying to accept and kind of learn from is that grief is not something you just go through and you're done it is for life Like you love someone, you lost them. That doesn't go away 20 years from now, 30 years from now, it's still there. So like, it's like you said, it's going to be waves and you can feel like you're getting really good at like handling it and coping and going through it. But then you get a rogue wave and it hits you sideways and you go under for a little bit and you have to fucking figure it out and you can feel bad because I mean... I'm kind of experienced in loss. (laughs) I've lost a few people, like not to brag, but you feel like, oh, I should be able to do this by now. Like I should know how to handle this. And like, for some reason, the automatic thing for me is just beating myself up. of like, why are you still taking it this hard or to this level after it's been X amount of years or whatever it is. And it's just one of those things that you can't control like you can't control how it's going to hit you how something's going to remind you of it and you just kind of have to be kind which is something we've been talking about lately just being kind to yourself like it's okay to not be okay it's okay to not know what's going to make it better like if you don't know how to cope because it's a new sort of pain or feeling then 
you don't have to do anything. You just have to take it one little step at a time. I, I like the way you put that. It, it is kind of a, a never ending process, right? While, while you were saying that, another thing that I, I think is interesting, I guess I, ha- I hadn't really contemplated it at least deeply, but you know, my belief system has changed tenfold since a decade ago. Right. So, you know, where I have more solidified beliefs, I guess, like in my spirituality, right? So for instance, if you're religious, uh, and I don't know enough about religion to really speak on it, but let's just say, let's say you're like a Christian and you're like, Hey, when you die, you, you know, there's heaven and hell and like you, you go to heaven. And so if someone dies and in your brain, it's like, Hey, my, my friend or my family member or whatever is in heaven and they're at peace it's still going to hurt, but you're going to be able to cope with it differently than if you were like, they don't exist anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And so for me, I, I always believed in the point of like, yes, when, when someone dies, it, it, there is like a piece that comes with that. I, I have grown into believing that death is a doorway to something that we don't understand. And where I, I have met people before where, uh, they're very religious and they, they were like, man, I can't wait to die. And you'd be like, well, what do you mean? And they're like, dude, like, you know, the kingdom of heaven and, and like, I can't wait, but like, I'm also not going to, you know, hurt myself. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I thought that was interesting because e- even though like, I, I don't know so much about like heaven or hell, I do think that there's something beyond death that I, I don't think I'm able to comprehend with this mind and body, but I'm also not like rushing to finish it because I, I think I really started to value what life is and yeah. it's because of, of the loss that I've had. And so with belief systems, I, I think that's like an interesting point of when I was younger, I, I probably took a little bit of everybody else's beliefs and was like, this kind of makes sense to me. This kind of makes sense. And then I got old yeah. enough and mature enough to go like, how do I comprehend this? And one of the things of failure that's interesting is if you're trying to grow as a person, you have to like do, you know, audits of the self. Well, it's and, continual. Yeah. Yeah. And so like the ego kind of happens. Like, I, I feel like I have to deal with my ego a lot more now because I like stare at it all the time of, <laughs> you know, Hey man, like you get me in some weird, feelings and emotions because you're like where do you know who I am and I'm like I don't Mr. Ego whatever this is but you know maybe maybe that doesn't really apply to like the death aspect but like relationships like friends or or lovers where it doesn't matter if you're the one instigating it or or it's instigated and like they break up with you or they move on you know it's like like you know your loss or like whatever your problem is the more that I, I kind of catch myself not having that, where it, it doesn't have to be a blame somebody game. Cause I, I mean, I, I even had that issue with, you know, a couple of the individuals that, that took their lives where I had to go the route of, I tried to cope with it with anger because I was like, you know, how could you do this? Like, this is your fault. I didn't. And it's a I natural part of it. It feels really wrong when you're in it, but it's literally a stage of grief and, kind of to go to the point of at different areas in your life, you handle it differently, obviously. So like when I had, I had three people die when I was 21, I handled that completely different than this year when my grandmother passed. So back then it was repression. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to feel it. Just numb it out. Don't deal with it. So in some ways, like I've learned from that, I know not to do that now. That's not great. (laughs) Doesn't help. It comes out eventually. But into that same effect, like I can use that experience to help me in this one, but it's different. So I still have to learn and adapt and figure out how to handle it in a whole nother way because your beliefs change a lot. And that's well over a decade trying to do the math. (laughs) No, it's not a decade yet. I'm not that old. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I was about to say something, but I was like, hey, you know what? 
I'm like, I'm not 30 yet. What's wrong with me? I can't. I'm like t- I can't do time is now. relative. You, you just make it up as you go. I just you, feel 31 in here. Yeah, um, you you identify as a 45 year old woman. I'm like, oh, okay. But to your point of like spirituality, when I was 21, I very much was not religious, but like also had no idea what I believe happens when people die. So that just spins you in a different way. And I'm not going to say I've solved it now, but I'm more comfortable with how I feel about it. Like there's been a lot of work, a lot of therapy kind of talking through that. So it's not as scary and it's not as tail spinny to put it that way. Like it doesn't make me spiral of like, Oh, I don't know where they go. And that's terrifying. (laughs) So the the like existential crisis aspect of it yeah 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 well you know and I always thought that maybe I would experience existential crisis like I I remember what it was like for my for my parents right of the moment of like I don't I don't have any grandparents and so I, I noticed probably earlier than I would have wanted to, I noticed that it was like, Hey, there's going to be a moment where I don't have my parents. And it was kind of like, well, how are you supposed to deal with that? Like, obviously it's going to be sad, but then it wasn't so much me sitting there, you know, I was like a teenager, I guess of going like, what am I going to do when I don't have my parents? It was more of, I'm going to be next. And as I got older and of course, you know, again, dealing with with life and death and you know loss in general there's nothing saying that they're going to go before me and I was like so it doesn't matter like I I, I'm going to have to deal with it when I get there but a part of that is also you know as you change and you grow and like you like we said our beliefs change you know my focus is that you know, when someone dies, it's, it's normal to be sad. Uh, it's going to happen, but being sad, isn't a bad thing. Like it's, yeah. it, it doesn't have to be a good or bad thing. It's, it is what it is. It's a, it's, you feel sorrow because of loss and you have to comprehend it, cope with it. And that's a strange thing in itself for me to be able to sit there and go, Hey, you, you don't have to do it the way the TV and the, and the songs and everything tells you how to do it. I mean, I am classic example of, especially, you know, let's say 10 years ago and and before. No, let's just say like a year ago. No, uh, (laughs) when you feel, when you feel angry, it feels good to listen to angry music because it kind of, it kind of reiterates like, Hey, you know, I'm not alone. Like lethargic, like it makes you go, Oh, someone else. Yeah. They get it. Yeah. If I'm happy. I'm not going to listen to the song. I'm happy because they played it too many times and it, it's now a nightmare song for me. Um, but I want to listen to happy music. Right. And it's the same thing. Like you go through a breakup, you listen to breakup songs, you, you lose somebody, you listen to, I, I've done that a little bit. Right. Because I, I do think that you can utilize that as a tool of let it get out. Yeah. Lean into the emotion and, and allow yourself to yeah. let things surface. Side note. I had a friend that, lived with us for a little bit and she really leaned into stuff like that maybe too much but like it worked if she needed to cry I would find her in a dark room watching like the saddest shit ever or with like a sad playlist on and then you know she'd eventually be like oh yeah I had that cry it got there and you just gotta let it happen there's nothing wrong with it right I mean, you feel better. We, yeah. We all we all know what kind of triggers it. Like I could tell you three movies right now that if I went and turned them <laughs> on, I'd, I'd I'd fucking cry. It's it, it's just gonna happen. But I also am in a weird spot in my life where I'm dealing with. It doesn't matter how amazing your childhood was. Every single kid has a trauma from the like original paradigm developing. Right. It's just. It, it's a part of being in the trenches of life. Like that's how you grow, right? You, yeah. You're going to get knocked around and you, you know, something that would really mess you up might not mess me up at all. Or, or something that, you know, you, you know, it's, it's all again, relative to your experience, but being able to sit with emotions and observe them and not necessarily just react, right? Like I'm not saying don't cry or, or whatever, but being able to observe it and kind of analyze the depth of that emotion 
because, you know, when, when Kyle passed away, a freight train blindsided me. I lost a, a dear friend, which felt like for no reason. Yeah. And a part of that pain, that, I mean, there were things that had nothing to do with him dying that were sitting there and, and they were triggered and just festering. And, it, and it, it was a part of the process of coping with him being gone that like made me deal with other buried emotions. And so leaning, leaning into it, I think can be very beneficial, but I, I think there, it goes back to the whole, when you shift your mindset from being about the destination, which no matter what your destination is, once you get there, you're going to have another destination. Yeah. And so more and more people are saying it and it sounds cliche, but it's like, you have to learn how to enjoy the journey. And a part of that is when things are down, you don't have to be, you know, false positivity about it. Yeah. But it, you can you can appreciate the the living experience. Yeah, and I I think at least from my vibe, people are getting more comfortable with not forcing positivity cuz in the past like when I experienced the initial losses, it was this happened for a reason. It like all happened for a reason. And now people friends are better at just saying like that's that's really awful and I'm sorry and like that's it that's all you got to say like it doesn't have to be this is a good thing that like you've lost this person or this friendship has ended or this relationship has ended like you're gonna spin it and be just fine kid you can just be like that's really terrible and I acknowledge that that sucks like I've had a friend just say like that's that sucks that's shitty and it feels good because you're like thank you yeah it's awful (laughs) it's not a good time I I definitely feel that uh, another thing that's interesting is where because of how my belief system has begun to develop and how my awareness of it has allowed it to shift even more and so then now I'm leaning into like wow this is what I believe and until I don't I'm going to just accept that there is a part of me that believes no one no one really dies um, their, their physical self is gone, but you know, the memories and the, and the feelings are still connected to that person. And, and as much as I felt like I lost a part of me, I'm still holding on to parts of people that have left. So I've had people, obviously if I'm like, Hey, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, Oh yeah. What about so-and-so? And I'd be like, Hey, obviously you didn't know so-and-so like took their life. I'm not going to be like, Hey, no one ever really dies. Like it is awful. Right. Well, and the beauty is like, you have your belief, that's not wrong. And they have theirs and how they're going to take it in. And that's not wrong right. either. There is no well, handbook for like how it's, because right. we can't prove after death. And also a belief is just that, like it is the truest thing to you. So mm-hmm. that's, you can't fail at that. So, so I, I brought that up because there are times where like, if, if I'm talking to someone and, and like Kyle gets brought up, I had the intention of like, I need to comprehend it. I need to understand it because I'm not going to taint all the memories I have of him with boohoo. Like I don't get to have my friend anymore. It was like, Nope. Like I got the time that I got, I'm grateful for it. And I'm going to cherish it. And uh, that's when I had to acknowledge that the whole thing of, I don't really think anyone dies. It's the vessel that goes away. And so there would be times where it's like, well, you know, and again, you're right. It's a belief. So like for people, death in general is just awful. It doesn't matter how they went. You know, it could be like the perfect, like the perfect experience of like dying or a breakup or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. And, and it would still be like awful in their eyes, but I would say stuff like, I was like, Hey, you know, I appreciate it, but like, I don't look at it as a bad thing. Like I, I still feel like he resonates here with his friends and family. So it's not like a sad thing to me anymore. And that's like a weird thing, right? Because I have an issue for my own reasons of like, if you say sorry all the time and the actions never change, then you weren't ever really sorry. Yeah. And, and so it's a, it's a kind of an automatic placeholder of trying to have acknowledgement, which is good, right? Like if you're, if you did someone wrong or you're in an argument or you find out someone died, you're like, Hey, I'm sorry. Like, I, I wish you didn't have to go through this. But I, I've along the way just kind of developed this callousness where I was like, it doesn't mean anything. It's just words uh, and un- unless I give it meaning. And so 
where I think I started to struggle of, Hey, you know, I, I lost a friend or, Hey, I, I'm going through a breakup. And even though those things are tough, it's like, Hey, I, I don't want you to feel bad. Like well, it's just a part of life. My, my problem was for a while is I don't like pity. Like I do not, right. I'm not comfortable around it. I don't want people to pity me. And that was something Same. that like I cut off by just not telling people <laughs> like either I wouldn't tell them that I lost somebody or I just wouldn't tell them how it was affecting me or something like that. And yeah, that worked for a little bit, but like it obviously did not help other things. Like you do need to be honest with people on those kinds of things. Yeah. I, and, and it's a projection too. Like they're probably not trying to pity you and go, Oh, poor you. They're literally if you're talking to them about it, they're trying to help you and they don't know how. So they're doing the, the best that they can. Um, so I've been working on that and trying not to project my shit of feeling strong and like, I don't know, not feeling weak or pitied or vulnerable and just being like, it's whatever. Like I'll, I'll let it come as it is. They can say they're sorry for how things have happened or mm-hmm. how that's unfortunate or however they want to give their support i'll just know that it's their form of support it may not be the way i prefer to get it but that's okay like there's nothing wrong with that either and i think that's how it should be because it's like paying respects you know of like hey i'm acknowledging but but it's also really weird too because you you don't have to go through life growing you don't i mean there, there are people that i've known who you know way older than I am and they're the same as they were yeah you know when when they were 30 and it's you know now they're 60 right or you you know whatever and everyone's on their own journey like you you don't have to use this life to like better yourself or work on yourself because it's a almost mind-numbing task sometimes because it's hard to fathom but I I think that's another thing too is that I, especially when I was younger, I would, I would go into victim mode. You know what I mean? And I'd be like, Oh, like someone died, like my whole life sucks. And, and I would want people to like acknowledge that now I'm like, Hey, you, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to feel bad, but I appreciate your acknowledgement. And so one thing that's interesting is how your viewpoint changes on what is friendship. Yeah. What is family? And for some people, family is blood. Like if, if you're my blood, you're my family. For some of us, you know, it's fast and furious, you know, <laughs> family, you know, I, I, I chose I my known. family. Right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, this, uh, this Mustang over here, it's my brother, this, uh, you know, and, and so as I've worked on, on myself or tried to work on myself and, you know, this is like a forever thing, I have come to terms with identifying like, how do I want to deal with these things and then being okay with dealing with it that way? Um, because I think there were some things that have happened to me in terms of loss where I was just desperate for someone to give me the answer. Yeah. I mean, when you can't figure it out yourself, you look to others and then they don't know how to specifically help you. (laughs) Like no one can solve what's going on in your head. Even if you go to a therapist and they're like guiding you through some of it, you got to do the work. Like at the end. And that's what I was going to say is is I used to always look for the and there's nothing wrong with like getting input. Uh but I was never ever sitting with myself and having the conversation of well how do you want to deal with it, man? (laughs) Because I think my autopilot was don't deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. it, It was like avoid it or mm-hmm. what is it like disassociate or whatever yeah that's a good one like yeah Classic. like <laughs> nobody ever died and they're like what well... and like, yep. <laughs> still lives on the corner of x and y you know and they're like mm-hmm. okie dokie <laughs> everyone everyone take note like we no longer drive past uh you know the corner of x and don't, y. don't take sam over there <laughs> yeah he's he's set in his ways and i i think where i started to start address one of my my biggest issues in my 20s is that my highs were really high my lows were really low and sometimes they they there there was no control um 
and it would be, you know, someone dies. So I try to disassociate and I, you know, am able to get myself to go to a place where it's like, everything's fine and like whatever, but then what goes up has to come down. And so, you know, relationships in general and the loss of, of relationship, however that happens, taught that to myself of it's good to have highs and it's good to have lows, but you have to learn how to keep it more toward, yeah, towards the balance aspect of it. Because, you know, when you start changing because you're, you're developing yourself and you, you're doing a lot more internal work. I mean, your highs can get way higher than any drug could get you to because you start finding actual peace, but your lows are going to change differently. And I've experienced that a little bit, I think, where the high felt really, really good because it was just this relief, right? Like I, I, I worked through something like a that felt like a Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and so you're like euphoric, but then when you go down, it feels heavier than it is because it's, it's, it's a new different. Low. Well, it's, it's, it's a, you allowed yourself into something that you'd previously like closed. Yeah. And, and so at one point I was like, Oh my God, like, are these lows lower? Like, is it just going to get more and more painful? And it wasn't that it was lower than any other low. It was a, a different low, right? Well, you were um, feeling it too. Like you were actually going, oh, this is sadness. That thing I've been running from for a little bit. Yeah. And that's the strange part of it too. I think in, in terms of grieving and, and failure is your whole life, you're going to have failures of how you process your emotion. Yeah. Because it's a very you can read every textbook, like you can be very logical about it. But once again, we are just emotional animals with a logical, logical brain. Like we can't predict all of it or figure it out. So I kind of put the pieces together and realized, or it wasn't that I never realized it. I always kind of was aware, um, but I didn't want to understand it. And so I figured out that kind of like my emotional home was anger because that was my defense mechanism and that defense mechanism developed at an early age. And that was kind of my, my shield and armor, right? The more that it got neglected, the worse it would get, right? Because it would be different versions of anger and they were all festering because you were never getting (laughs) dealt with. And so it became like this weird chemical cocktail of emotion. That was like a Molotov cocktail being thrown into my brain. And (laughs) there there were times where it it would explode yeah I'm just imagining you getting like cut off in a parking lot and getting out of your car (laughs) and I have a Molotov cocktail oh my god do you just keep those in your trunk and 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 I think I think that happens with sadness right where it it builds up and then like you just it's uncontrollably crying all the time because it's just sitting there festering and getting worse well and sadness can like mask is anger too because anger is easier to like burst out or get out yeah yeah, just be fucking mad or you're you don't know what's happening you're just irritable you're mad at something you're just fucking angry but it's really like this sadness deeper down that you just don't want to deal with or you just can't get to yet yeah i've learned through the process of going okay I'm a social butterfly, right? Uh, I, di- I didn't make up that term. It was given to me in high school. And I was like, I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about that. But I was like, <laughs> I also can't disagree because literally I could land anywhere and talk to anybody and, and be, be good until for whatever reason I wasn't, right? And being friendly and being, and, and being capable of, of just the, the social interactions with strangers, no matter how surface level or deep, doesn't mean everyone is your friend. Uh, And that's totally fine. I I don't think everyone should be your friend, right? Friendship should be, I I think as I've gotten older, friendship has become a a very sacred thing to me. Uh, A lot of my friendships have turned into, it's like, you're my family. Um, Because it's either at a certain point, I go, hey, we're not going to be able to go any deeper. And like, that's cool. And then there's like, hey, we're, we're obviously in this together, right? All of a sudden, you realize, I realized that everybody was like my acquaintance. Everybody was, I was friendly, everybody, whatever. And so I was okay with talk, like I was okay talking about the stuff happening in my life. That's what's going on in my life. I think it was me trying to be authentic of this is what I'm going through. Yeah. But one, but one thing that was interesting is 
it's it's almost like you burden some people because you're like oh man like i'm dealing with i'm dealing Um, with a lot i'm dealing with a loss and they're like you know hey man i'm a cashier at kroger like i don't (laughs) know you like i i don't i don't need to know about you being naked in the shower crying bro like what the fuck and and, you know what i mean and so like even your acquaintances that you know you you know each other you have a rapport you don't have to you don't have to unload it on everyone there's a difference between like authenticity like that's a great thing to be but you don't owe everyone those deeper things like they don't have to hear it and I, i feel the same thing of just like realizing i get to choose who gets the privilege of like hearing that stuff and talking to me about it and like maybe they know about something bad that's happened an acquaintance does and they ask me about it i don't have to be fully truthful about it i don't have to go oh yeah that really you know had me on the floor for a few days i can just be like no it's fine thanks janet (laughs) or or, yeah like you you don't always have to be fully transparent and and i was one of those people that like i i always joke like i'd be a horrible poker player uh not only because of the reflective glasses showing my cards but the fact that i i can't i can't lie like it, it just shows on my face but there's a difference between not expressing every single detail right like you can just be like yeah. hey you know yes this happened and yeah it sucked and for, yeah. for the most part i think that's as far as most people want to go which is kind of good because if everybody was like, all right, let's go all the way. I mean, we would all be exhausted all the time, like emotionally well, depleted. Cause it is draining. And like, that's one thing that I more recently have been realizing is that I was explaining like things that have happened and giving, you know, that full energy to people and then being exhausted at the fucking end of it or at the end of the day or doing it like too many times in one day, like explaining it to a friend at lunch and then like, going out with people at night and like, Oh God, I have to tell this story or this thing I'm going through to you too. And then just being fucking done. (laughs) Like, and realizing I don't have to do that. I can even just say, I don't have the energy to explain that right now. I'd like to talk to you about it later. Like you can set boundaries that are realistic and no one's going to be like, if they're a dick about that, then they're truly a dick. Like, could you imagine you go to a friend and you're like, I don't want to talk about that right now. It's really painful. And they're like, well, I think you're gonna, I think you're gonna tell me exactly about that. Uh, And I, and I mean, even if it it wasn't like from the place of like being a dick and it's just like, they don't have, maybe they don't have the refrain of their curiosity being like, no, man, we need to know now. Like, give me, (laughs) give me the juicy details. And I'm like, are you heating up popcorn? And they're like, every detail. I want to know your pain. God damn it. (laughs) Well, Um, and realizing friends have different boundaries too. And if yeah. you hit a snag on those boundaries, that has to be a conversation at some point. Because well, well, boundaries would be, dude. If we get like the right uh, guest, I, I feel like we should have like a whole hour about boundaries because I, I think can... subconsciously, subconsciously, I think I had boundaries, but now that I mindfully am like, this is important and this needs to be in place. One, if you've like been around people your whole life and then all of a sudden you change and you start doing boundaries. Uh, it doesn't fly well with some people, but even crazier yeah. is you identify like, oh, I didn't really have boundaries <laughs> or intent or, or intentional boundaries. And then you I go, I feel like gonna... you're calling me out right now. <laughs> no, uh, but, but like, you'll be like, Hey, maybe I had some boundaries, but like, I want to have intentional boundaries and the people that are around you don't have. Yeah. Yeah. It... Or, or it's not like a concern to them about having boundaries. And they're like, dude, what's your deal? Yeah. And you're like, uh i'm trying to be healthy <laughs> it's, it's, um, it's hard like it's a hard reset you have to do on friendships relationships even family like just going okay this is a wall now and you're not allowed to cross it and they'll just be like what the fuck and eventually it works out like who's gonna deal with the wall who's not like i i, I mean i've literally i've had to move on yeah because it was like hey boundary and you know one, it feels super weird because there, there are parts of me that can be confrontational, like not, not in like the, you know, Oh, you want to fight, but like, just, <laughs> Hey, this needs to be addressed. And and if it's something that's serious to me, I don't have a problem being confrontational. Cause I'm like, we need to deal with it. Yeah. But you know, when you're putting boundaries in place, it feels confrontational and you're, you know, especially if you have worry bouncing around in your head of, 
you know, how are they going to take it? It's easy for people to, you put a boundary in place, they forget. And you're like, Hey, I'm just going to remind you like, Hey, can we respect this? And then there are people who are like, I don't see the big fucking deal. Like, I don't understand why you can't deal with me not dealing with your boundary. And it's like, that's okay too. But it's not going to work ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a hard thing about, we're going to have to do like a three-part series on boundaries, but about setting them is it can lead to loss. Like that's a worry of like an extreme, like, Hey, if I set this with this person, are they going to not like it? And then we can't continue being friends or whatever it is. Cause it's not healthy to you to let someone, you know, you set a boundary and then they just go, Nope, but still love you. And then just do that over and over again. Um, I, yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm very grateful to the relationships that I've had and, and I've lost uh, over the years because they slowly were teaching me that I always compromise myself for the, for the sake of other people, or at least I would try to, because uh, I think that's how I used to think I was supposed to get love. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think there was like something in my brain that, that was like, Hey, you know, worry about them. And the, the problem is I got to a point in my life where it's like, I, I can't ignore the fact that if I'm not taking care of me, I can't help anyone else, especially the people that are closest to me. And there are people who I've said that to, and they didn't agree. Like they were like, that's just really selfish. And I'm like, I, I understand where you're coming from, but I do, you know, I, we, we have to agree to disagree. Um, and that's something that's really strange about as you lean into your truth and you really start paying attention to the audits that you do on yourself and what you believe in and, and what is important, like boundaries, things are going to change, but it's not that anyone did anything wrong. It's that people grow and they, they shape shift and they, they become, and nothing is permanent. So it doesn't have to be like all in your face. Like this is who I am. Like in deal with it. Right. You don't have to go around burning bridges, but it's, it's okay to learn when it's necessary to like move on. Like yeah, d- death is even one of those things where there are people who they have a traumatic loss and they hold on to it in the negative connotation of like, I can't believe they died. Why did this happen to me? They never got through the grieving process. And, yeah. and again, I, I agree with what you said before. I don't think it ever ends. There's always but, going to be the fragments of it. But there's a difference between working through and processing Co- each time. Coping and, yeah. And just shutting it off or being stuck at a place in time. Like, I know what you're talking about, of that person that's just stuck in that after loss period forever. Yeah. And, and, and dude, you know, I've seen people go through death and they have like almost PTSD they're watching a movie and someone dies in the movie and all of a sudden like they're not okay because they're stuck in that moment of like they lost someone I I mean it's all very real uh you know because it's your experience and and it's the (laughs) no matter how hard I try I guess I, I don't try as much anymore but I I did I I mean I would do my damnedest to just try and try and try to be like I want to convey myself to someone. So they're like, Oh my God, like I know who you are. And, and I'm very fortunate. Me and my, my brother, we are, we are definitely bound till death. I, there's, there's nothing that could happen that, that would change that. And I know that I, it's like, it's like he knows my soul and I know his soul. Right. We, we have different kind of personalities and stuff. And I do things that get on his nerves, you know, brothers. Right. But th- there's also that relentless devotion to each other because like I know his light and he knows my light. Yeah. You can do that with other people, but you also have to realize that sometimes like that's just not going to happen. Like the, the connection's not going to be there. And so when I finally accepted that, where even the person in my life where I'm like, dude, he, he sees my soul. I was like, he's never going to know what I'm going through. Well, Yeah. Like ultimately, we all. Isn't that crazy though? I mean, that's the human experience, and 
I get it. Like when I'm driving kind of the stereotypical thing, if you watch a bunch of people go by and they're all living their own separate little lives. And it's the same with grief. Like we all have our own little separate experience of it. We can, you, you can join a support group. You can go to a therapist and kind of relate with people, like have friends that have lost people and relate, but you never truly know what the other person is going through. And it's kind of scary, but it's not bad either. Cause once again, there's no right way to do this shit. <laughs> like, there's no right. good way to grieve or lose or whatever it is. I, I watched uh, steel Magnolias recently, oh, not boy. knowing what I was fucking going into. I thought like, Oh, a bunch of Southern women in a salon. That sounds like you, a great movie. You had never seen it. Never seen it. I was like Dolly Parton gang, like roll up. Here we go. It's going to be a good time. <laughs> it's not it's not a good time um there's a death obviously and uh the end of it they're all in the graveyard like the group of women minus whoever died i'll, I'll leave that mystery up to y'all about the <laughs> i don't know 30 year old movie at this point um but <laughs> but uh the, the woman who's lost someone is kind of losing it she's like i don't know what to do like i don't know how to like what to how to process this and the friend just goes, well, why don't you punch so-and-so, like the annoying character throughout the whole movie and like pulls her forward and like, go ahead, punch her and just eggs her on for like a few minutes. Like just give her a smack in the face. It'll make you feel better. And then like, she doesn't punch her. It was kind of anticlimactic, but they all were like, oh, that's funny. Like we can find humor in this. I think my point in telling that is like having people that even though they don't know what you're going through, they can pull you back to reality a little yeah. bit. And be like, hey, punch our friend over here. <laughs> like, I, make you feel better. <laughs> I, I mean, and again, you know, the extreme scenario, when my buddy passed away, my brother let me have, it was it was a Saturday afternoon when I found out. Uh, and of course, because the way it affected me, I, I remember exactly where I was. I remember what time. It, like, it's just like when people are like, yeah, you know, if you were a certain age, when 9-11 happened, you'll never forget where you were when you found out. And I was like, yeah, okay, it's it's real, right? Because I still can't comprehend it, right? I totally just lost my train of thought because I brought up 9-11. Jesus Christ. <laughs> you um, out-traumaed out your trauma. You were talking about how your brother allowed you, I'm assuming. Oh, like so, so it was the afternoon, you know, obviously I was like hysterical, but I was like, the first thing I needed to do is I needed to let my brother know like, Hey, this has happened and I'm going to have to deal with it. And it was like a, you know, Roger that like, you know, where are you? And I was driving and he was like, you probably should pull over. And I was like, I'm not going to do that. Right. Uh, and he was like, well, I tried, but he, he gave me like that initial night and I secluded myself and I like just dealt with it sort of, I guess, like I, I was just a mess. But then he insisted, you know, the next day of like, hey, you yeah. need to come over. And his whole thing was like, I got to make sure he eats and I got to make sure he gets water. And I mean, I was exhausted. I didn't really sleep because I was too busy, you know, fucking crying. Yeah. And, and you know, you if you cry enough, you end up in like this weird delusional hysterical <laughs> place that's like you're not dehydrated. Real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not quite real, but it's not not real. And so I ended up like you know, he got some food, he got me to like eat a little bit of food, it got me to drink a little bit of water. And, you know, of course, being around people, I was trying to kind of hold it in, like hold yeah. back. And I needed to break at that point anyway. But then there was that moment where all of a sudden, I was just like drained and exhausted. I ended up like laying on his living room floor with a like a pillow and a blanket and like passed out for like two hours. And and that's what he did, right? He yeah. couldn't understand what I was going through. But he was just like, hey, dude, like, I'm just going to be here to provide whatever you need. Yeah, like and, just trying and, to help with basic needs. Yeah. And and so, you know, I, I there were several other people that, that were there for me. And, and, you know, one thing that I had to learn, though, is there are definitely going to be a lot of people that aren't going to be able to, like, help you. Like, them being there isn't going to help. Like, them talking to you about it isn't going to help. Like, it's it's like, just give the person time. Because it's such a, it's a strange experience, you know, like when people cry, I get really uncomfortable and I'm trying to work on that because there are people in my life that if they are crying and they need me to console them, I want to be able to do that. But there are things in the way of, I mean, I went my whole life and I always thought it was because like 
you know, I had learned the, the whole men don't cry, whatever. And it wasn't that it was, I didn't want to deal with whatever it was that instigated the, yeah. the crying. Right. It's, it's just strange, but it's the, it's the, it's the same thing as if we knew how we were going to die and when we were going to die, it would take away a lot of the wonder. If we all knew exactly what everyone was going through, why would we talk to each other? Well, now I'm thinking of big fish where like you look in the witch's oh, eye and you like, no, oh, boy. and at the end of the movie, he's just like, Oh, that's how I go. Yeah. That movie was something I wasn't ready for whenever I saw it. It was watched, in high school. Yeah. I watched it in high school and I, I watched it like two weeks ago. It's great. Yeah. I, I, I haven't watched it since I saw it in high school, actually. So I should probably, it's time. Yeah, I'm going to make uh, you watch should, it again. Yeah. We should start doing uh, Friends of Failure Movie live Club. Stream, like, like live streams where we're just watching a movie and people can just watch us like cry. Like we'll just pick like the most. Live stream cries. <laughs> uh, and, That's how and we get just, you over the like the discomfort. Like just put a sad movie on put Forrest Gump on for me and like at the end I'll cry guaranteed every time doesn't matter if I've seen it a hundred times I think the only thing that concerns me is I see how it'd be problematic if you know how um uh like if I'm a voice actor and it's like I'm the voice of Spongebob people are like oh my god do the voice we would be known for crying and they'd be like oh my god do the ugly cry thing and I'd be like we're in public like at at, like I'm at a Walmart I don't want (laughs) to yeah I do, I do not want to ugly cry. Uh, I did want to go back to, you're talking about like you're driving to work or you're walking down the street and you pass all these strangers all day, every day. Like they're all yeah. around us. One thing that shifted my mindset was 15, 16, 2015, 2016. Uh, I had a coworker briefly. Uh, we were in training together and we were talking about perspectives and you know, he, he was very religious. And so I love having conversations about spirituality or God. Like I, I like the, the viewpoints as conversation, especially if someone's open and passionate about it. And we were talking about perspectives and he was like, you know, one thing that's, that's a good exercise that anybody can do is we all do it. We're in traffic. It gets all fucked up. And you're like, Jesus, like, what's up with all this traffic? I can't deal with this. And he was like, if you feel that way and you go, I am the traffic, all of a sudden you're like, you know, screw, screw that. Screw uh, me. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, I'm exactly what I'm frustrated about of like, I am a part of the situation. Yeah. I, I, like, I haven't gotten mad at traffic in a while and I will caveat that with, I haven't driven a lot in a while. <laughs> covid thank you but also when i get into traffic now i'm like okay this is just part of it like i'm not gonna get there any sooner if i get really fucking mad so i'm gonna be late and normally it's like an arbitrary time i gotta be somewhere and it doesn't matter like i'm gonna forget about it in a few days uh i had to deal with a lot of things like uh i joke about it all the time now because i (laughs) it baffles me but there was a point in time i was so messed up uh there was a lot of turbulence and a lot of everything was still pretty much undealt with uh, is how i put it i was like in a really really bad place i would get so angry about red lights i felt like i hit every single red light all the time all the time (laughs) the world's Um, out to get me with these red lights yeah (laughs) well and that's like the simple version but it'd be like you know you're in traffic and we all see it every single day you have the guy who's like got to go out of his way to flip someone off or i have to go (laughs) cut this person off and brake check them it has nothing to do with like you and your driving it's those people are dealing with an internal turbulence and they they're exploding in any way that they feel is okay to react yeah and and it's nuts because one of the things that really changed that is obviously I started processing stuff, but then I started changing how, what is part of my issue with red lights? I haven't worked on my patients. I have a patience thing. I, I don't want to be patient. And, and like, that's a, that's a problem in itself, right? I don't want to be patient. Like <laughs> F that. Right. But then when I started listening to audiobooks in the car, I, I don't care how long it takes me to get to where I'm going. Cause I'm, I'm paying attention and I'm driving, but I'm, at a red light, it's great because I can just sit there and listen to the book. Yeah. Right. Or I can listen to the podcast or I can, you know, whatever. 
I, I think that's another thing is I, I love, I don't really like doing work calls because sometimes you have to stop talking to deal with the traffic. That's a very real thing. Right. Yeah. Um, but, but even like talking with friends and stuff, it's a great thing. Cause you're, you're not so much worried about getting out of traffic and whatever you're making yeah. sure you're safe, but you're, it's like, Hey man, this is like good use of time. You know, I've also started this new thing where I sit in silence while I drive. Oof, that one I, I cannot do yet. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> absolutely not. But at, at like four in the morning, it's dangerous because it almost has a, like a white noise effect. Yeah. yeah, but the other the other thing too is I feel like I can hear, hear every nook and cranny of my car. Yeah, I, I couldn't do it. I just couldn't. I have a habit of I have to have my music on, but... I do like the reframing of it doesn't matter how long I'm in here. I'm listening to a book, a podcast, a friend or something like that. But yeah, no um, silence. I also, I love music. It's, it's a very convenient way for me to lean into emotion, right? Yeah. I, I really connect with music or I feel like I do. And music started to lose its vibe because I was listening to music all the time. Part of it was because I like the reason I started sitting in my car and driving and like, let's say I have a 30 minute drive. I, sometimes I don't sit the whole 30 minute drive in silence because I, I can't deal with myself. That's what I'm trying to do. Right. Is I, I acknowledge that sometimes I'm just blaring music on my ears. So I don't think. Yeah. And, yeah. and when you're trying to work and you're blasting like metal music in your ears or techno or whatever you're listening to, it's fine. <laughs> it's kind of hard to like for me to like focus because I'd much rather be jamming out to the music I'm listening to or feeling the music. Yeah. And it was like, Sam, you got to figure out it's okay to have noise, but it, it, it can't be music that you're like jamming out to. And I did classical for a while, uh, which I love, but I've entered a realm um, because of some things that I read about in terms of ADHD of white noise and yeah. there's version there's versions of it like some people would utilize more of a staticky sound but then there's that you know again the whole white noise effect of driving in your car in silence that like of and then you just being fall asleep on, yeah blackout <laughs> um and, and so using noise canceling headphones with no noise is actually super duper effective more so than i had imagined but then adding that white noise I don't know. I, I feel like I'm I'm gonna change a lot of things just from shifting, you know, the 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 frame, like the mental yeah, frame. Just reframing it. I, I like that. I think it's a good way to put it. Just get that as a forearm tattoo. Just reframing it. Just reframe from being a dick. <laughs> Please and <Andy. laughs> so we we definitely uh are are out of time. Oh god, yeah. I mean, in all reality, we could go as long as we want and do whatever we want because there are no rules. There's only consequences, people. And this is our show. Yep. Welcome to There Are No Rules and Everyone Loses. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be interesting to go back and like re-listen to this because I'm curious how I felt good talking about it. But I wonder if I'm going to go back and listen to it and be like, what? <laughs> There's just like uh, 30 minutes in the middle where you're crying and you didn't even realize <laughs> I'm watching the video and I'm like, when did I put on mascara and why, how did it get all over me? My, my white shirt is just drenched in black from all the, like how much mascara did I wear? <laughs> well, uh, that was fun. I enjoyed it. It's quite fun. You, you know what time it is though. I don't, I'm not, not sure. It's Megan's corner. Oh <laughs> God. We need to get you like a, we need to do it like the old school, Mr. Rogers, where he would like go and then he had all those puppets and then like I walk King... over casually, put on like a cardigan. And cardigan, go, yeah, yeah. Ah. <laughs> uh yeah, it could be done. It needs to be like a like kind of a cutesy puppet, but it's obviously obviously been roughed up by life. Like it's a little like like ah, uh, you know. I'm imagining like uh what is it, lamb chop? You remember that puppet thing? that but like battered mascara once again like been running lipstick just like 
there's like t- like bald spots from like ripping out the wool from because lamb chop was a, a lamb right i mean i mean yeah yeah that was... <laughs> i guess that was a given huh context uh, clues. <laughs> i always thought lamb chop was a horse why did you think that <laughs> I, I don't know it was a puppet is it really anything right uh yeah just fucked up my childhood there with that one but yeah welcome to megan's corner <laughs> uh we're on most social media you know doing our thing at friends of failure and then send us an email about your failure stories friends of failure podcast at gmail.com i don't know do what you want to do that's about right hey there are no rules um but there are consequences yeah there are some rules to that inbox nothing nothing illegal nothing illicit unless like Dude, if, yeah if we if we get to a point as as a podcast that we have to have a disclaimer on the podcast that's like, a hey, goal i hope we do actually yeah hey uh i appreciate it but like i don't need to see your genitals so <laughs> that's not what the inbox is for we're not gonna share Please that stop um, sending <laughs> just because just because you label uh just because you label the email, this is my failure, and then send us a picture, doesn't mean that we're going to. <laughs> that is, yeah. Be kind to Too yourself. Dark. We're going we're yeah. gonna to switch that around. Be kind. Don't send uh, not nudes. And then it's like, here's my failure, and it's your nudes. Um... I think this is the first episode where I was like, uh, I mean, obviously, we, we aren't talking about stuff that I think kids should be sitting there listening to our no. podcast. But, you know. <laughs> This is the first episode where I'm like, all right, I'm going to put a disclaimer uh, for the one line that I said about an email titled, this is my failure, right? Well, uh, you know, one day, one day, uh, somebody's going to have the courage, right? Oh, so not well, only <laughs> not only listen to the, the podcast, but actually go, you know what? This provoked thought and I'm going to share it. We were talking earlier about how people kind of in a condescending way go, oh, you're so brave, so confident. It's kind of like so that. <laughs> oh, he's so, so brave. brave. He just went and sent it, didn't he? Wow. <laughs> it's a blank email from some, some no, like, we don't know who it is. It's just our first email, blank. Uh, no, it would be blank, but it has like the auto-populated, you know, like, this is who I am. Here's my cell phone number. Here are my office hours, right? Perfect. Can't wait somebody somebody's gonna do it <sighs> yeah um, inbox. well everybody uh appreciate you listening can't wait for <laughs> you to 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 be so brave so confident and and send us some thoughts like send us your thoughts i don't even care if it's about failure just send me your thoughts right it's gonna get a uh, diary entry <laughs> it's a uh it's a a letter where they've taken magazine clippings oh, and God. they created like a yeah yeah um uh well with that being said gotta leave you with one of the most important parts of the of the podcast and that's the friendly reminder to everybody including ourselves life is happening for you it's not happening to you so go out there and do something gotta gotta do it but don't send nudes to our email don't do that but do email us not non-nudes not, not send nudes. your non-nudes now <laughs> yeah at 885-724 if it's not I'm stronger than you it's I'm wiser than you I'm more loving than you I'm more tolerant than you I'm more sophisticated than you it doesn't matter what it is but this constant competition is going on You can't make a mistake.